On this episode of Rosie Week, we talk about the WWDC, what Apple is planning for the home, LG and OLED, plus voice control. All that and more next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 20, recorded Monday, June 20th, 2016. Generation Awesome. Resi Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Kramer Electronics. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry, which is our industry. Um, I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, here for TV. You're either watching this live, you're listening to uh, the podcast, or hopefully you're watching it on YouTube so you can see not really my face, but the lovely faces of my guests today. Um, I am joined by a really good friend of mine. We go back a long ways. Um I don't know. Well, yeah, no, we go back a long ways. We'll so. say that. We go back longer than I go back with Dave over here. Um, yeah. I am... <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Uh, <laughs> I am joined today by my good friend Heather from Southtown Audio Video. You know her as TechChi Online. She's one of the nicest people in the biz. How wow. are you doing today, Heather? I am great. Um, I was just saying my air conditioning's broke today, so it's a a sweltering 80 degrees, which is different than some of the other podcasts I've had where we had seven feet of snow, so all over the place. Well, see, you can't have it both ways. you got to, you know. Well, we have it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> One extreme to another. Pretty much, pretty much. You're you're in Buffalo, so you're dealing yes. with the same heat wave that we are, so, yeah, I feel for you. We lost ours yesterday, but we have it today. Uh, and last but not least, we've got Dave Pedigo from Cedia. Dave, how are you today? I am super. Thanks for asking. I'm Enjoying the beautiful 98-degree weather here in Indianapolis. But but what's your humidity level? Uh, not much. We're we're pretty landlocked here. Yeah. See, we're we're like 85 to 90 today, but 85% humidity. It's just thick. Oh, that's it's, gross. Yeah. You walk outside and it's like, ah, there we go. That's nice. I like well, that. Well, my brother lives in LA, and he had texted me this morning. He said it's it's 8:57 in the morning, and it's 95 or 97 degrees already. It was 112 <laughs> where he was yesterday. So. Ooh, yeah. I, I I think I finally recovered from Infocom in Vegas. Oh my God, um, it was so hot there. Yeah, it's terrible, terrible heat. But nonetheless, uh, we could talk weather for days. Um, but let's skip it. Let's jump right in. Uh, this past week, uh, right after Infocom, I got back and. Uh, one of the things I was highly looking forward to, because I'm a geek like that, is uh, WWDC um, from Apple. They uh, did their one of their big developer conferences and announced a bunch of things, one of which uh, kind of applies to our industry potentially. And I've thrown this up on the screen share. This is just a quick uh, reverb from The Verge. And you can also see the lovely things that I search for online, like Cole Haan. Um, yeah. But uh, notwithstanding, Apple is kind of, let's say, doubling down on HomeKit. Uh, this is something that they've announced uh, a couple of years ago, two years ago, and they're really, they're doubling down. They're, they're getting excited about it and seem to be, you know, really trying to become, uh, I don't want to say the hub because it's not really a hub, but it's, it's the digital center of all the your... Yeah, the epicenter of all your IoT devices, all your smart devices, all your smart home stuff. Um, 
Heather, is this like I, I'm not going to say that this is going to replace your your Crestron automation system or your RTI or Control Four or URC or whoever you're using, but for the general consumer who has maybe gone down the path of Wink uh, or one of the dare I say hundreds of small uh, integration partners or, or integration hub companies that has popped up and then flamed out. Um, what is this going to do for the average consumer? Is this going to do anything? Is it does it does it even matter? So, as someone who works on the front lines, and I still answer the phone, and and I still tend to come up to the front when someone walks in, um, you know, I, I'm I'm torn. So, as the tech geeky person, I get excited about these things, but then I go to a client's house, and they've never even heard of Apple TV before. So. Right. Unless Apple puts a big marketing push on this, a la Sonos, because now people walk in and they've actually heard the name, and that's because they spent millions upon millions of dollars on that, I feel that no one's going to start asking for it or truly understanding. You'll still have those people who knew what Wink was, the do-it-yourselfers, kind of techie, but for the average consumer, unless there's that big push from Apple... To, or from uh, or from our industry to, to understand what that actually means, I think that HomeKit won't mean anything to the average Joe or Jane. But, but is it about not meaning anything to the average Joe or Jane, or is it about getting that person or, or those those individuals who are kind of tech savvy, who have gone out and bought you know, some sort of RF smart switch or a Philips Hue bulb, uh, have Sonos, have a couple of these things, have a Nest device, is that what this is about, Dave? Like, it, I don't expect to see, and, and unless you want to drop that news today, which would be awesome, um, I don't expect to see Apple at Cedia. I, I feel like this is not really directed towards us directly, but it's directed towards the tire kickers that come into our, our shops and, and, and email us and call us, and they want to know how to connect these three or four things in their home. Is that is that more where this is focused? Uh, in a way, so uh, you know, you look at at WWDC. It's aimed specifically at developers. It's not. Right. Uh, I, I heard a, p- a few people who were disappointed that Apple didn't announce something similar to the Amazon Echo, and it's like, well, of course they didn't. It's, it's not right. Developer, like, not product. Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing: is uh, in a way, I agree with you when you say that Apple is doubling down, and in, in a way, I think they're still kind of have it on the side burner. Um, it, it is geared towards the developer. Apple doesn't want the general consumer, in my opinion, to know what HealthKit is, or, or sorry, HomeKit. HealthKit's something different, but something I find very fascinating. But um, with HomeKit, they don't care. What the consumer wants is the ability to control their lights, the ability to control their door. Where where I found it uh, interesting as an example was the fact that in the slider, now you can pull up the slider and do the controls without having to actually log in. So yeah. um, I thought it was slick. I thought it was the actually only newsworthy thing of what I thought was probably the most boring <laughs> keynote I've seen from Apple in a long time. Um, you but, know what so made I, me happy. I don't know if they're doubling down. I think what they're doing is they're working on partners to really start incorporating HomeKit into their products. I was I was extremely happy that uh, Tim Cook was only up there for a very short period of time, because he's he's no Steve Jobs. He's terrible. Well, there's terrible. there's there's two options. One is <laughs> that Apple has lost their way, 
or two yeah. that they're that they're really working on getting something just right and in the next six to eighteen months we'll see something that's groundbreaking. I think I, I think the second I think that Apple is just being quiet intentionally right now, but that being said, uh, well, th- there's not much impressive coming out of Apple at this point. No, and and I think it comes down to you know things like things like HomeKit. This has the ability to create the platform that is like I, I don't need Apple to make me uh, a light switch. I don't need them to make me a remote control per se. I, heck, if they can make Surrey work, yeah, right. I, I would <laughs> love it. That would make me extremely happy if they could make HomeKit work with Surrey and attach to my cable box or my Apple TV that is acting as my my set top box. I will be thrilled. I don't I don't need them to come out with a device per se. I just need them to continue to make all their things work together the way they have in in the past. So I don't know. I'm, I I'm excited for HomeKit. Totally agree. It would be great, right? If you could walk in just like with uh, Amazon Echo. If you walk in, you know, you say, add such and such to my shopping list while my refrigerator is open because I can see that I don't have that. So I have that for later. That's a quality of life piece for me. That makes things worth it. If I could walk in the house and go, hey, Siri, I'm hot, right? So I think that that's the part. Today it would tell you that you just don't have any working AC. I know. Um, But if you can say that, you know, versus turn it, this whole like turn the lights down 25%, the average consumer is not going to get that. But if you could say it's bright in here or dim the lights and these control devices would understand that quality of life portion versus the ones and zeros portion. So not to totally hijack the show and just talk about this side of things, but do we really want voice control on that level? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and I know, and that's why I asked Dave because I know you're a huge Echo fan, um, and you love that aspect of it. Well, well, uh, and Heather, jump in if you want to jump in. But um, I, so I really feel that the voice control. It's again, it's not the primary way that you will control a system. I don't think if you're using any of these other big companies to do control systems that you need to worry. Voice is just a complement to other things. And I've used this analogy a lot, but I'll use it again, is that I've got a 75-year-old father with, you know, stage five kidney failure and the ability for him in the middle of the night to get up and say, turn the lights on is a big help for him. Mm -hmm. Um, But like washing the dishes, you know what? Play the Beatles from Spotify while my hands are wet or doing whatever. I just think it's a complement um, to uh, the existing control interface that we have now. I, I agree with what you're saying, Dave, and, and I'll go the other direction with really young ones. My children wake up in the morning and we have Echo. We have it sitting there in our kitchen and they say, you know, good morning and they get their tidbit or they'll say, like if they think of a song, my nine-year-old will think of a song and say, play good morning sunshine or whatever she thinks of they're going to grow up in this world and it it won't be enough, right? They're going to demand it more than we are. We're kind of, I like to think of us as generation awesome. We've had everything from a record player to a CD player. We understand and respect the technology. We weren't born into it. So I think we have a different point of view versus the ones who are coming up. They grew up with the magic. I mean, how many times have you been somewhere and there's a two-year-old playing on an iPad or an iPhone? You know, they're not going to settle for less than that. They're not going to take a step back when they start buying houses or enter the workplace. The the term that I've heard for that, just as a, to throw it out there, is digital natives. And so we are not digital natives. All of us are, you know, probably 30s Generation or 40s. Generation awesome. 
we're awesome. generation awesome. <laughs> but then our kids are that digital native where they've grown up not knowing anything other than that. And I agree with you that voice control is just it. Well, yeah, I know even even with Cohen, who's just learning to kind of say a, a word or two, he loves playing with Surrey. And he loves when we interact with Surrey and Surrey talks back to him and talks smack every now and again. Um, he loves that, and he won't, you know, he won't understand the concept of buying. He probably won't even understand the concept of buying an album. He's not going to understand the concept of having a phone that you wouldn't see the person. I mean, no, that's the okay, first generation, no. right? The Jetsons generation oh, in yeah. that way is they only know FaceTime. So when they when they have the phone and they can't see the person, they're thrown by it. We, you know, I was as I mentioned, I, I was at Infocom last week in Vegas and calling and talking back to uh, Fiona and Cohen. And every now and again, either my sister who came over to, to, to stay with my wife um, or even my wife would send me a photo of Cohen on the phone. And he's, you know, up with the phone like this, looking all cute. And every now and again, he pulls it away and he's looking for me because he doesn't understand why, why I'm not FaceTiming when I, uh, instead of just calling. And, yeah, you're right. They, they will not really understand technology as we know it today. Right. Which is a very interesting thought. Um, and, you know, again, looking at how we design systems and, and how, you know, CD works to educate the, the consumer, when you think about what they're educating the consumer on today that isn't valid for the next generation at all because it won't be there in that in that form. But enough of that. We could talk about that all, all show long. Um, I want to talk a little bit about LG. Um, they are saying, and, and they've been, you know, one of the big pushers and uh, promoters of o OLED tech. Um, they're pushing that they're expecting OLED TV sales to triple in 2016, and we are, uh, you know, halfway, <coughs> almost halfway through 2016. Um, I, I don't. I, I'm I'm very excited about this because I love OLED technology. It's fantastic. Uh, and this article uh, is from Strategy, our, our friends Tom Green uh, over there. Um, they're, they're not saying that they're not selling. They're saying that they're expecting them to expand and, and again, continue to be a much larger part of, uh, you know, that, that supply chain and, and what, people are, what people are purchasing. Uh, Heather, because, you, you know, you guys have the storefront um, and are on the, the sales side of things, are you seeing this? Are are you seeing the push for OLED yet from the from the consumer side? No, I, I think I've had one customer ever come in and and ask for it by name, um, and you know, get, we're in Buffalo, not New York City, so maybe that changes things. I don't know, but we're not being asked for it by name. Um, when I saw that article, I thought of uh, their booth at Infocom, and Matt, I'm guessing you walked through their booth as I well. Did. Mm -hmm. um, and their booth, for those of you who didn't see it, really showed off the technology in some really cool, creative ways. So Converse and Concave TVs, and they were putting oh. it together in some really neat digital signage ways. Their curved signage display was fantastic. It was so cool. And then they had another TV that was the size of a credit card or two, and it had OLED on both sides of it. Did you see that mm -hmm. one that was hanging? I did. Yep. Um, and then they have another one that you weren't allowed to touch, but they could actually peel it off the wall. Um, so it was incredible. That is where I see that they could triple their sales is in these creative, different markets um, and not the classic. But hold on. on the wall. Because, yeah, they, they, they definitely will. And 
obviously that market share, you know, the commercial side and especially the signage side will drive this kind of tech like no nothing in residential potentially could. But if their sales were so low to begin with, tripling's not that hard. Like if you're only selling 10. <laughs> you sell one, you only have to sell three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to all of a sudden sell 30, yeah, who cares? Um, Dave, it, it, is this – I don't know. Is this the trend that we're expecting to see continue? Or, I, I, do, I do. So not that I'm going to disagree with you, Heather, because you really are more on the front lines than I am. No, I but want you to disagree. That, Come on. That being great. said, Fighting so there's a couple of things. First of all, from the commercial perspective, in general, they're not looking for that level of detail. Digital signage is really for catching someone's eye, it, not um, – uh, having somebody do critical viewing, maybe maybe there's some applications. I agree with you with flexible displays, but on the residential side of things, um, I, I do think that people are yearning for a better picture, and I think that most of us, when we see an OLED, is like, oh my God, that picture is just gorgeous. For me, if anyone asked me, would you take an OLED TV or uh, at 1080 or 4K, I'd take an OLED any day of the week. And so what is encouraging for me is that LG is going to start OEMing OLED displays so that they can basically white label it for other um, uh, for other devices or for other manufacturers. And so we'll start to see scale, which means that the OLED prices are going to start to come down. So as you increase in manufacturing, you'll decrease in the prices. So I, I'm actually really encouraged and while – I don't know if they can triple their sales that quickly. OLED is the future of uh, that and quantum dots for high quality displays moving forward. Okay. Now, the only thing I want to I want to question you on is when you say that the signage side does not look for high quality displays or high quality resolutions for your average, you know room, you know, meeting room sign in a hotel, sure. But for most of these large format, you know, big money displays where they, you know, honestly have the have the dollars and the budget to purchase those crazy, you know, either super thin or flexible or anything else, I, I would say that in those situations, they're definitely going after that premium uh, resolution and, and image quality just because of what they're trying to achieve. Sure, and and I by far I am not the expert on the commercial side of things. I just see the the OLEDs picking up in the residential just because the picture quality honestly is it's it's quite a difference. But don't you think most consumers don't they don't see it they don't know, right? So it's it's either we're gonna adopt it and push it. It's like I'm sure at the end of this year you're gonna see like 4K sales doubled at the end of the year, and that's because they're getting rid of 1080p TVs. Well, I yeah. think Sony has two models. Samsung has a model or two. Pretty much anything over 50 inch at this point is going to be 4K. And instead, what the consumer's going to see is like 4K TV sales have God knows how much, how high they'll go because nobody, we take away, we're taking away the choice. Well, so, well, the other thing is, is, is that it, from an economics perspective is that because now the cost to do a 4K TV uh, from a manufacturing perspective, is is just incremental from doing right. what a 1080p display close. was. So uh, I, I think there are plenty of people now. Are OLEDs going to be the the main choice of displays? No, uh, LED backlit 
it's going to be the the uh, main choice of uh, displays. But I, there are plenty of enthusiasts out there, plenty of people who really know and do their homework. So in, in five years, could OLED be 10 to 20 percent of all flat panels sold? Maybe. It probably never gets, or not never, it probably doesn't get much higher than that anytime soon. But again, does that come from from the purchasing standpoint or, or even the selling standpoint of, of dealers? Is that come down to the choice of availability or does it come down to what the client is actually looking for? Because even, even for us, we get asked the odd time for 4K. We sell 4K, but we don't specifically get asked for it very often. We get asked for... What's the best, you know, I've got X, X number of dollars. What's the best panel I can get for that? Well, I think that that's what our, our differentiating capability is. Yeah. That our clients are asking for us. And, and, and CD has got research on that where it talks about buying influence. And, uh, you know, basically, even if our customers are buying their displays somewhere else and then we're just hanging them for them, which happens more than we probably like to admit, we have huge buying influence, and our members understand that OLED presents a superior picture to your traditional LED backlit LCD. Oh, definitely, definitely. All right, moving on, let's uh, let's look at this quick story from our friends over at CE Pro. Uh, this is talking about eye control. Um, now, if you're unfamiliar with eye control, uh, they recently, as in like three days ago, were purchased by Comcast and Alarm.com. Um, and they were really one of the leading providers of smart home as a service, and it was bundled with Comcast with their, uh, you know, I can, uh, I'm sorry, not I control, but their uh, uh, Xfinity Home stuff. Um, this is pretty much, you know, leaving a a gap in the the industry side, which is, you know, essentially what the article is saying. Um, as far as there's not too many more players uh, who are who are have the the market penetration that eye control did. Um, is this something that matters, Heather? Is this something that you, and specifically the company, have have any concerns with, or or really does this affect you at all? I don't think this affects us at all at this point. I I mean, recurring revenue is always the golden chalice that's talked about, um, and it's so much easier to discuss it as a concept than it is in actuality. And anyone that does this yes. for a living, it, of course the concept is, yes, if I could get $10 from you and $10 from you and $10 from you, then I'd be on the yacht right now calling in. Um, but in actuality, it's you much harder. You still might harder. not have AC, though. <laughs> that's, but I'd have the, the cool air, the it's sea the cool breeze. breeze. Um, but, you know, it, in actuality, you know, there's a lot more details that come in that. And I know that some are doing it successfully. I went to CDS Exchange um, a lot are not doing it yet, um, but it's definitely a hot discussion point. Um, so well, it will. How sorry. No, it will be interesting to see where it leads. Um, so how much does you know something like this a being acquired? How much does this type of situation where you know Comcast and, uh, and Alarm.com now control this software? How much does this affect? those dealers who are trying to get into this um, RMR situation with whether it just be, you know, the alarm side of things, but the whole, you know, smart home tech, how much does this affect dealers as they're looking to do that now that, again, this company is owned by a major player in the telco world? Dave? I, 
I almost feel I'm going to just jump in. I'm sorry. No, go for it. <laughs> um, no, please do. I, I almost feel that the bigger they get, the they're only going to hurt themselves by getting really big because everybody is so sick of 800 numbers. So if you're calling me, like my clients are my clients for usually for life. So they call me um, and I answer the phone. And if I was charging them, then maybe I could get away with it. But if there was an 800 number that they had to call, like a, that, and we know cable companies are infamous for not good customer service. No. So, right? Like, so there, it, like I usually tell them if, if they have to call, I'll say, okay, get a bottle of wine out, open it up, and then call 1-800-such-and-such. Well, and just, just to follow up on that, you know, being a resi dealer, being the fact that you're dealing with, you know, DirecTV, Comcast, whoever it is, how often do you get those calls long before they call Comcast? Oh, even my God, every time. Even though it's probably a cable reboot, yep. right? Yep, because that, we answer that, the phone. Yeah, and that happens to us all the time. I, I'm just intrigued to see how or, or what the hindrances to companies like ours and, and, and CD members who can find a way to essentially augment or uh, produce a competitor to these types of big telco firms in this in this realm. Uh, well, I would look at this as an opportunity. I don't look at this as a threat at all. And people who know me realize that I am pragmatic. by Comcast, you got problems. Yeah, I, I'm typically, <laughs> you know, the sky is falling kind of guy. And I, I think of this as an opportunity for exactly the same reason that Heather talked about, which is that our, again, I go back to differentiating capabilities. Our members' differentiating capabilities uh, is that um, uh, they have the ability to provide at, at the low level, just above the entry level service. When you go with the, the MSOs, the large cable providers, et cetera, that's an entry level service. And so, we can't look at them as competition because, to be honest with you, none of us are going to are going to be able to compete head to head with a Comcast or an ADT or whatever. So uh, this is just consolidation in the mass market level, which is where most of our members don't play. Now that doesn't mean that we don't have people who do you know entry level control systems, whatever. Um, it, it they do, but in general, I think this is an opportunity. These big companies. Uh, it's usually a science experiment. Doesn't work out very well, and uh, I, I think our members can thrive off of this. Well, and I gotta say, I, I I agree with you there because we have here one of our major telcos is Rogers Rogers Communications, um, proud owner of the Blue Jays and Maple Leafs and a bunch of other fun stuff, um, which is why we lose. Uh, notwithstanding, the they've launched the last probably year and a half, two years. They've launched their their own whole home control, automation, security, that whole thing. And we do continually get clients who either are looking into it or, or they're curious about it. And when we actually get the chance to have that sit-down conversation, it, it's not that hard to explain the differences between the products and the and the solutions and, and equipment that we provide versus what they can get from, from Rogers. Not to you know, bad about them in any way, but it, there is a huge difference. And again, most of our kind of clients and, and, or sorry, yeah, most of our kind of clients and most of the standard CDA channel clients, they're, they would much rather, just as Heather said, have that one person call where they can get all that information, get all that help and know that they've got essentially a partner to, to work with as a, their, their home grows and their, and their life grows, et cetera. I, I don't see this as being a crazy 
issue in any way, shape, or form. No, and what I would add to that is one of the biggest things that our members do that – and, and I, don't get me wrong. I'm going to switch gears for one second. These large companies, they provide a service. They do a, they do a good job. You get what you pay for uh, for the most part. So I'm not disparaging any company. I think they do fine. The difference is, is that they're based off of these are the kind of things, the units that we need to sell for specific volume where we design um, specifically um, – for the for the end user in mind, so everybody is unique and has different needs, and we can provide a solution that is geared towards just you instead of the same solution for everybody. It's just the do you want an in the box or uh, in the box solution or an out of the box solution? So very good. And, and Heather, was that a cat? Back no, there? it wasn't a cat. Are you sure? <laughs> no, Sounded it was like a cat. Someone who hadn't seen each other in a long time. So once when they acted, it was the hi. Uh, well, on that note, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's wrap this up. Thank you guys so much for, for being here and, and joining us on Resi Week. Um, Dave, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Dave Pettigo, and uh, you can always email me at dpettigo at cedia.org. Beautiful. Heather, thank you so much for joining me. Pleasure. Um, everyone knows how to find you, but just on the off chance that there's one person who doesn't, where can they uh, where can they find you that? You can find me on Twitter at uh, tech underscore chi. That's C H I, um, and I'm everywhere else. Everywhere. <laughs> you can watch for me on one of the CDA tweets again this year, so you'll be okay. seeing me tweet all about the gloriousness of CDA. Um, you should go and you should use my code. Nice. And what code, code is that? Oh, Dave is going to be sending an email to Olivia now. Oh, Olivia will be sending that to you. (laughs) Lovely. All right. Well, thank you again so much for being here. Uh, You can follow me if you're so inclined, Matt, at Matt D. Scott. Uh, Pretty much Google that and you'll find me just about everywhere. Uh, But for more information, more shows just like this one, please visit avnation.tv and follow at Aviation TV uh, for more info and more shows. That's all the time we have for Resi Week. Mm-hmm.